0: Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wiki Weekdays podcast. I'm your host for the week, Lucas Holland, and I am joined by the pleasant Carl Smallwood. As always,
1: pleasant Carl. Smallwood. I feel uh, like you like you were trying to workshop a joke, and then said, like, "No, fuck it." No, Pleaslen. I was.
0: I was at first going to go like my my wiglet brother, Carl Smallwood, but then oh, I decided bro. I decided to back off the joke, and then you've called me out on it.
1: Yeah, there it is. Look
0: wiggler just yeah Touching it's gonna play wigglers. very well for our audio listeners at home we, you know they can listen on any podcast service and give us a lovely review over there and you know obviously the premise of the wiki week Days podcast is that carl and i both bring a wiki and you have to let us know which wiki won this week yes. and obviously that means which brought the better discussion in your eyes and not which subject you prefer necessarily
1: yeah, because the whole idea is, it's might, it might be something that we are interested. in, It might be something we have a passing interest in. Mm-hmm. It might just be something that we want to know more about. And the idea yeah. is, like, which wiki inspires like the best conversation, the funniest conversation, not necessarily the one that you um, is the subject you are the most familiar with.
0: So, of course, uh, after you've listened to the podcast, you've got to let us know about all of that. But Carl, you're starting off this week, so what have you brought? Well, last week you talked about music, and that really
1: got me thinking of like we can't really do a music episode on the Wiki Weekends part because we'd have to put clips in, but the podcast that we that don't would
0: not podcast. get monetized
2: exactly.
1: So I thought let's talk about a staple of British music, like the British music scene, and that is Top of the Pops. Oh, okay. Which, um, I guess, if people don't know, like, you know that's the beauty of Wiki It's this mm-hmm. lovely intro to let everyone know what it is. So, Top of the Pops, um, often uh, abbreviated to T-O-T-P, which I've never heard anyone say.
0: And that really gets me thinking about Zelda, because it's T-O-T-K mm-hmm. for Tears of the Kingdom. And I'm like, oh, I could go play Zelda. Never forget that Tears of the Kingdom had to get delayed after the Queen died. It was just like the announcement trailer in the UK, and it's like, but delaying it by a day isn't going to stop a, a country grieving for the Queen.
1: Did, did you see that, like, m- that might be another subject for a wiki weekend, of the death of the Queen, of mm. all the dumb stuff, like, people try to do to look patriotic. Like, kebab shops were putting up signs of, like, we solemnly um, uh, regret the passing of the Queen. It's like, oh, yeah, Liza's favourite, like, Abdul's <laughs> kebab shop on, like, London Road. <laughs> like, people were putting, like, post office box in full mourning veils. Oh, Tesco and like, dear Sainsbury's God. like turned down the volume on all of its self-checkouts because it's not um, uh, conducive oh, yeah. to didn't the Yeah, didn't they have like a act.
0: silent hour an hour of silence on the self-checkout machine? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was actually
1: ridiculous. But uh we're not talking about that. We're talking about oh, no. Top of the Pops, which is a British music chart television program made by the BBC and broadcast weekly between January 1st, 1964 and July 30th, 2006 making it the world's longest-running weekly music show. Mm. and That's why yeah, I think it started like right in the 70s, and it came back in um, uh, 2019 to the present day. Oh, it's back. It, it came back, yeah, and no one gives a shit because the landscape of music and how people consume music has changed so much, which I thought could be the interesting thing to talk about.
0: And how people f- consume television as well. Yeah, so I just thought it would be
1: interesting. Like this thing started in the 70s where, really, it was the only way to listen to new music.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: and it was always put forward as like a show for the younger generation, of like, hey, top of the pops, like you've heard there's a new song on the album charts, you can't afford that album, we're gonna have the band play live on stage, and that has led to a lot of controversy.
0: Play live on stage, well, that's sure part of the
1: controversy, yes. So, um, each show consisted of performances of some of the week's best-selling popular music records, which is why it was like kind of awesome because mm-hmm. sometimes you'd have like Nirvana playing alongside like Cyndi Lauper or something.
0: I, I love that he immediately went to Nirvana, because that was one of the moments I wanted to mention. Of like, Which is mentioned in the controversy we'll, section, which we can get to,
1: yes. Yeah, we'll get there, we'll get there. So, this was originally the top 20, this has varied throughout the show's history. The top 30 was used in 1969, and the top 40 from 84 onwards. Dusty Springfield's I Only Want To Be With You was the first song featured on top of the Pops, while the Rolling Stones were the first band to perform live with I Wanna Be Your Man. And this is where the pub quiz answers come in of like, what was the first song featured on Top of the Pops? It's like, do you mean featured or played live? And then Snow Patrol were the last act to play live on the weekly show when they played Chasing Cars. And it's like, what a flaccid fucking end for this legendary... Like, Snow Patrol, fine band, but Chasing Cars, I just think it has the Grey's Anatomy song.
0: (laughs) It's like... Yeah, you start out with Dusty Springfield and the rolling fucking stones Who's as your still first going? performance.
1: Yeah, still going, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, like, just the idea that chasing cars is the end of like a 40-year legacy that's now been, you know, exhumed from the grave.
1: What's one of the things about like um, British music? Oh, like there's so many like classic British bands that are, you know so influential. Like I said, The Stones, The Beatles, Iron Maiden, Motorhead, mm. like Deep Purple, fucking um, like Led Zeppelin. I think we talked about like last week when we mentioned all these like legendary British bands. Mm-hmm. And then just like, what's the band we're going to choose? Close Snow Patrol. Are they even a British band? I don't... Oh, they're Scottish. Okay, so they're from oh, Dublin, okay. Scotland. No wonder they sound so depressed. All I was going to say time. the
0: singer's accent whilst singing doesn't sound English. But it's like... very uh, muted, yeah. It's like Adele yeah. in it, though.
1: Like Adele sings with a, uh, an American accent. I was like, a fucking Adele in it. <laughs> She's so like, fucking um, uh, broad. It's great. So, special editions. Of, uh, were broadcast on Christmas Day, and usually until 1984, a second edition a few days after Christmas. Some of the best-selling singles of the year and the Christmas number one were usually played. And the Christmas number one is an amazing um, like British tradition that has been ruined by one knobhead. Have you heard about this? Because I'm guessing, like myself, you don't really pay attention to the charts anymore.
0: I mean, no, no, not for years and years, but like I assumed you were referencing Simon Cowell with X Factor and stuff, but
1: no, it's that knobhead called um, uh, Lad Baby who's had the Christmas number one for the last five years straight.
0: I don't even know what...
1: I, I, yeah. He's a dickhead YouTuber who's just like one of those people like, I prank my wife! And that's like a end. He has had oh. the Christmas number one from 2018 to 2022.
0: He's had it five years straight. And they're not even a musician?
1: Uh, no, he's a parody YouTuber who sings about sausage rolls. Great.
0: Right, I didn't even, like, this is how unaware I am of, like, modern, you know, charts and stuff.
1: He's ruined what was once a fine British tradition of, like, who can write the cheesiest, most Christmassy song? And the songs aren't even Christmassy. That's what gets, that's what annoys me. He doesn't even write Christmas songs. He writes parody songs about sausage rolls. And he's had five years in a row making him the most successful, like, artist for that in,
0: like, British history. Apologies for the sausage rolls that are barking in the background.
1: The thing is, though, you love your sausage rolls, right?
0: (laughs) I mean, I I love my sausage dogs, not my sausage rolls as much. Yeah, and if you want to think about
1: how bad this guy is at ruining Christmas, his first one is We Built This City, widely regarded as one of the worst songs ever made. The second one in 2019 was I Love Sausage Rolls. Then there was Don't Stop Me Eating in 2020, uh, 2020. Then in 2021, it was Sausage Rolls for Everyone featuring Ed Sheeran. And Elton John for some reason, and then Food Aid. Wow. Yeah, and that's why. Just I don't think like pop music is the same anymore because just some knobhead YouTuber who can't sing can get the Christmas number one five years in a row. I because mean, people on Facebook still buy albums.
0: In my eyes, it died the day Rage Against the Machine took it and just uh, went think, like yeah. they just went. You know what? This is it. When did this now? Uh, do you know what? Like, we can tell that story. So that's
1: a really fun. <clears throat> I know it's Halloween coming up, but the, mm-hmm. in the um, I like yourself think that was like when the Christmas number one, the farce of it all, was mm-hmm. revealed. Of for prior to this, like that no Bed Lad baby, it was um, Simon Cowell on the X Factor, and it was generally whoever won the X Factor that year would just win and get the Christmas number one because they had the entire marketing push of like three separate channels, like forcing people to buy albums. And then one year, just as a piss take, someone went, let's just make it Killing in the name of <laughs> by Rage Against the Machine, you know, Rage Against the Machine,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, against the machine that is capitalism. And then the song features the line, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And that became the Christmas number one that year. And it's so fucking funny because the lead singer, Zapdellar dollar it's a tradition, a well-loved tradition in the UK is that the, pe- the person who got the Christmas number one that year gets invited onto the BBC to sing a live version of their song, and they asked the lead singer <laughs> of Rage Against the Machine to not sing the lyric "fuck you, I won't do what you tell me."
0: It's almost like pa- you couldn't was write for this anything reason, more yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
1: Parody- and the thing is, though, he didn't for the first couple of lines. He like you know he st- he goes uh, uh, won't do what you tell me uh oh uh, I won't do what you enjoy. He gets the breakdown. Yeah. Just, he just starts screaming as loud as he can into the mic. So, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And like, they cut him off instantly. It's like, any the, other band you might have gone on. you can't tell the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine to, to not say
0: so- the line, fuck you, I don't do what you tell me. And then the, the glorious thing as they're taking it as, scurriedly off-air as quickly as possible was, well, we asked them not to say that. <laughs> it's like, you... I th-
1: <laughs> my favourite part about that is as well, is there's a friend of mine whose mum kicked him out of the car because she said, that's not a Christmas song. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's the Christmas number one. She legit stopped the car and kicked him out. She said, it's not a Christmas song.
0: It's like neither were any of the X-Factor bollocks that was out.
1: No, because I still think the last good Christmas song we had was um, The Darkness. Because whenever I like, mm. listen to Christmas songs, like it's almost always songs from the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. maybe earlier. Like you know, you've been Crosby classics and stuff like that. There's very few that are modern. Like there's Christmas number ones, but they don't feel like Christmas songs. And maybe that's the thing. where we could do like a Chris- near Christmas, do the the list of Christmas number ones. Because
2: mm-hmm. like, like, like you know,
0: another good one, like another modern one, is like Mariah Carey.
1: Yeah, and like, um. I just like as well. Every year, you see that graph of, like, all I want for Christmas is you. You see the uptick directly after Halloween and so on, like, it begins. And I remember Mariah Carey retweeted that and went, not yet. (laughs) It's like, I say when it's Christmas. Anyway, the official charts company states that performing on the show was considered an honour. It pulled just about every major player. The show has featured several seminal performances in its history. For example, the March 1971 appearance of T-Rex frontman Mark Boland wearing glitter and satins as he performed... Hot Love is seen as the inception of glam rock as a genre. So glam rock oh, oh. is believed to have originated from a performance on this show. And David Bowie's performance of Starman inspired several future musicians. And that's the thing like, everyone performed on this show... Um, and when we say everyone that means there's a lot of controversial musicians who've appeared on there so in the 1990s the show's format was sold to several foreign broadcasters in the form of a franchise package at one point uh, various versions of a show were shown in more than 120 countries and then we say here as of 2023 the repeat run has reached 1995 so at bbc4 i've been trying to like show them all on repeat and they've only got up to 1995 so far However, episodes featuring disgraced presenters and artists such as Jimmy Savile, Dave Lee Travis, Jonathan King, Ian Watkins, R. Kelly, Rolf Harris and Gary Glitter are no longer repeated. And if you don't, yeah. like, I'm pretty sure Jesus. almost every single one of them got done for having sex with kids.
0: Uh, that sounds about right, that list of people, but yeah, I'm going a bit quiet because they are kicking the fuck off. Ah, it's fine, I don't worry about it, but yeah
1: yeah because that's the kind of thing isn't it that that lesson you learn when you start looking at any musician from more than like 10 15 years ago it's like oh they're all sex criminals every single one it's like i mentioned david bowie up there david bowie had sex with
0: 15 year olds Mm. and um just obviously a lot of like the kind of emo pop punk alt rock scene all being outed at the moment and
1: every single one yeah
0: it brings me great joy when i'm scrolling through tiktok and it's like oh, here's, um, like, Gerard Way, and it's like, oh, an interview with Gerard Way, if, like, you know, if people don't know, like, um MCR fame, least, the singer, yeah. and they're just like, oh, okay, so, like, do do you enjoy having, like, groupies and stuff? He's like, we don't do groupies. We don't have groupies. Like, we're, none of that shit, none of that creepy bullshit. We want to play D&D and video games and yeah. just move on with our life, and it's like, we love our fans, but not in that way they can fuck off.
2: So just, it's, yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's a shame as well that he's got to say that he's like, I just want to play fucking D&D yeah
0: like it's it's a shame that that's the like outlier rather than the you know the rule mm-hmm. so be it but yeah it's just you know if people don't know I'm a big big MCR fan so just you know you're kind of waiting at this point to see all your favourite musicians out as like horrible horrible people Yeah, and then, and then it's like oh thank god there's one you have to do that scroll, don't you? Just every now and again,
1: and you go okay. Let's remove their songs because Spotify's um. not going to remove them unless they do something really bad. Like they do, like Lost Profits. And well,
0: stuff. Rock Band Four doesn't, does it? God? No, it doesn't.
1: Should we talk about that? Okay, so again, it's it's not funny, but it's a very like, what well, is it's darkly humorous of it's Ian Watkins. Yeah, yeah. The name I mentioned earlier, Ian Watkins, is the lead singer of the band called The Lost Prophets. and he was done. The, among other things, trying to solicit sex from a one-year-old via their mother. So, like, heinous, heinous crimes. But there is another musician in the UK called Ian Watkins. Oh. And he was in the band Steps, but he was and- known as H from Steps. And he's always disliked being called H from Steps because he wants to be known as Ian Watkins. And he was mm-hmm. told for many years, like, no, you're really difficult to book because people know he was H from Steps. And he, at the time these uh, allegations were being made, was going to be in a pantomime. And he threw a fucking hissy fit when they billed him as H from Steps. And he went, no, I'm not H from Steps. I'm Ian Watkins. I'm Ian H. Watkins. Put Ian Watkins on your fucking poster, or I'm not doing it. Two weeks later, news, Ian Watkins done in for fucking child sex abuse charges. And he so quickly went back to being H from Steps.
0: Yeah, because he just almost so so,
1: has the exact same name, almost. Yeah, as but a c- you
0: don't you don't want to be able to be googled, and the first thing that comes up is like, did you oh, mean you're you're a paedophile? It's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna go back to H hey, from Steps, i'm Pretty good now, and it's one of those things where like if it
1: it maybe it would have been all right. He was like an actor. And you're like, well, that's a but he's also a musician. And I think mm-hmm. if you go on Ian Watkins' profile, it says not to be confused. Yeah, not to be confused with Ian H Watkins.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, to to bring it back to my original point, is like you know, you'll say like, oh, some services are like will or won't remove um, these things, and we you know, we've hosted like a, a Rock Band live event, and mm-hmm. we're doing so again, and it's just we scroll through the list of songs and like. The Lost Prophets is on there, and because it's baked into one of the set lists, is unremovable. Yep. And every time we scroll past, it's like, we can't remove it, it's not like DLC we can get rid of, and we're just going to have to, if any smarmy dickhead tries to sing it, just tell them to fuck off.
1: You just ask, like, you look them in the eye and you ask them, why do you want to sing a song by a guy who tries to have sex with children? Anyway, speaking of track our sex with children, the first show, Top of the Pops, was first broadcast on Wednesday 1st, January 1964, at 6.35pm. The first show was presented by Jimmy Savon, who also got done in for having sex with kids. And people who were dead. He got done, he got done for both ends. Necro- not necromancy, necrophilia, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like, that's me as well. This I histori- was hoping that none of these words were going to be said on the podcast. But like today. this historical show,
1: like one of the most important shows in regards to like popular music, the very first episode, the BBC refused to re-air it because it's mm-hmm. presented by a guy who tried to have sex with dead bodies.
0: And obviously, you know, it's this unfortunately not just a uh, Top of the Pops that hosted that man. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of yeah British TV, yeah. He was friends
1: with our king. He was very close, personal friends with our king. Yep. Yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? Anyway, so... Uh, so da, 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 uh, the songs uh, featured in order were Dusty Springfield's I Want To Be With You, The Rolling Stones' I Want To Be Your Man, The Dave Clark Five with Glad All Over, The Hollies with Stay, The Swinging Blue Jeans with "Hippy Hippie Shake, and The Beatles with I Want To Hold Your Hand. That week's number one. Throughout its history, the programme has always, with very few exceptions, finished with the best selling single of the week, although there often was a separate playout track over the end credits.
0: Does it say if the Beatles ever performed live on Top of the Pops?
1: Uh, I think there's a list of like people, so we can have. That's just like the history in the, in the first episode like, so
0: we have. Obviously, Rolling Stones is a pretty big get, to, especially to start with, but like. It's also the BBC, and they had a lot of the, pop. Yeah, the, the Beatles are obviously the fucking beatles like i'm curious like
1: we have here we have um several sections we have performers performances and presenters which presumably we will have that in there um mm-hmm. lost episodes lost yeah <laughs> in popular culture and um uh what's the other one here like spin-offs and stuff but do you want to cover just performers and performers? see, see what we got
0: yeah I, i'm very interested because i don't know what the years of like Beatlemania technically were, but if you're the the thing of like the entire world, you're the most popular thing in the world. Are you really going to do like Top of the Pops? Well, let's find out. So, in its extensive
1: history, Top of the Pops has featured many artists, many of whom have appeared more than once on the show to promote many of their records. Uh, at, the, at the time of, like, you know, this article being written, Green Day hold the record for longest Top of the Pops performance when they played Jesus of Suburbia, uh, which lasted nine minutes and ten seconds.
0: Oh, they must have done, like, the... the I think there's, like, because a lot the, of that the, American the Idiot version, is, like, yeah. two tracks that go into one another. Yeah. And it's like, yeah... Fair play, though. Nine minutes, just like, we're going to take
1: this for a ride. Uh, There is uncertainty, however, about what was the shortest performance. In uh, 2005, presenter Reggie Yates announced on the show that it was Super Furry Animals with Do or Die, um, a broadcast from January 28, 2000, which clocked in at 95 seconds. However, a performance by the band Angelic was clocked in at 91 seconds later that year. Um, According to um, an August 2012 edition of Top of the Pops 2, um, Here Comes the Summer by the Undertones was just 84 seconds in 1979. And the person with the record for most appearances on the show um, uh, is Cliff Richard with 160 performances. Which tracks?
0: He's he's got the record for the most amount of number ones. He's got like a number one in every decade since the 60s.
1: Yeah, and I've got just in front of me now just the list of all of the, um, uh, like the list of performers on the mm-hmm. um, Top of the Pop, so just name a band.
0: I mean, obviously I want to know about the Beatles, I'm curious okay. about that. The Beatles
1: have been on, quite like this, once in 1964. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else? Um, it's like, name a band. So a it's, it, Foo Fighters. It covers the entire, the entire history. Does Let's have a go look? Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters, yeah, they've been on. They were in it in 1998.
0: Uh, I'll go for something a bit more of a long shot. Metallica.
1: Metallica. Let's have a look. Metallica. Yeah, Metallica have been on the show in uh, 1997. Because that thing is... That had been around... I don't, know what, I don't know what I mean. Metallica albums. And they appeared alongside the show with five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> Just Metallica and five. Anyone else?
1: Um, this is a fun guess. Like, try to think of someone who's not been on the okay, show.
0: Okay, tell me how many times Cliff Richard's been on there then? One hundred and sixty. Wait, one
1: hundred and sixty times? Yeah, he's been on the show. Well, keep in mind they had an episode a week every week for yeah, like forty-five years. So he was just on it every fucking week, basically. Yeah, because he always had a new album out. Um.
0: The Zootons. The Zootons. let have a look. I don't
1: know why. The Zootons, yep. March 13th, 2006.
0: Yeah. Everyone
1: um, has been on this show. Everyone.
0: I mean, the thing is, because like, I'm trying to think of some a few like smaller bands now, but mm-hmm. obviously I'm thinking of ones that are in that gap where it wasn't on. Yeah. Um, hmm. I just How many the- times have Bring Me the Horizon been on there?
1: uh bring me the horizon bring me the horizon have never been on the show
0: yeah cuz they we they, they were probably in popularity mode in 2010s yeah when it wasn't airing yeah but lucas we've got to go
1: move on to the section that you want to cover and that is mining yeah so, throughout the show's history many artists have mined to backing tracks Early on, musicians' union rules required that groups re-record backing tracks with union members performing when possible. However, as The Guardian recounted in 2001, in practice, artists artists pretended to re-record the song, then used their original tapes. Mm -hmm. Um, The mining policy also led to the occasional technical hitch. For example, in the August 1967 edition, as Jimi Hendrix performed to play... Uh, prepared to perform Burning of the Midnight Lamp, the song The House That Jack Built by the Alan Price set was played in the studio instead, reportedly (laughs) prompting (laughs) Hendrix to respond, I don't know the words to that one. (laughs) Like, what a cool dude Hendrix was. That's Uh, the thing. Like, Jimi Hendrix was on there as well. Like, oh, God. And the thing is, imagine getting Jimi Hendrix on your show and not letting him play live. Because you
0: don't trust yeah. him
1: not to nail it. It's like it's
0: Jimi Hendrix. But obviously, it's not so much that, it's more that there's more likelihood of technical issues if you let them play live.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I would presume
0: that-, that that's what it more likely was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the idea that, like, yeah, you get Jimi Hendrix to play live and he's not allowed to play live. I'm sure,
1: that's part of the experience as well of like, that's rock and roll. Mm hmm. But uh, in 1988, All About Eve appeared to perform Martha's Harbour. While the song being been played on the television pro uh, broadcast, it was not played in studio. So lead singer Julianne Reagan remained silent on a stool on stage while the only other member of the band present did not play his guitar. And it's just this amazing <laughs> tracking shot of the song playing. She just sat on stage like this. She just doesn't move.
0: Just, I don't know how easy it is to go back up to the last section. Just yeah, yeah. curious if the gorillas ever played, because obviously okay. the gimmick of the gorillas is that you never saw them. Let's have a look. They were always like the animations on stage or on screen or whatever. So that would have uh, been real easy to mime. Just they didn't even need to turn up, just play the fucking music video. The gorillas have not been on the show. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Because you wouldn't have anyone there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, occasionally, bands have played live, for example, in the 70s and 80s. um, There was The Four Seasons, The Who, Blondie, John Otway, Sham69, Eddie and the Hot Rods, um, Jimmy James and the Vagabonds, The Sweet, Jackson 5, Heavy Metal Kids, Elton John, and many others. Um, in 1980, heavy metal band Iron Maiden played the show live when they refused to mime their single.
2: Yeah! yeah. like
1: Get up the like. Imagine telling Iron Maiden not to play. <laughs> imagine like you've got them in the studio. It's like, all oh, like, right, mime along to your song. It's like, but we're a band. That's yeah, That's the thing Is well. I know they did, but the idea of bringing them in and then not letting them play is so weird to me. It's like, why even have them there then? What's even the fucking point of having him in the studio if you're not gonna let
0: him play? Yeah, it's just, oh, it is so
2: bizarre. Re-
1: I'm reminded of like a great like joke told by like, Frankie Boyle where he said he went to a this festival because he said the the Red Arrows were going to be there. you like the precision flyers, mm. and it was just the guys. <laughs> <laughs> like the, they didn't do a flyover and they weren't wearing their uniforms. It was just, it was the just red red some arrows. dudes. It was just the dudes who flew the planes, and he was like. They were right, but why the fuck would <laughs> anyone go see the Red... Like, she go there thinking, oh, the Red Arrow's going to do a flyover and do some formation flying It was just the guys from the band, uh,
0: from the, uh... From the show, yeah. yeah. And you would think that if you were going to see, oh, they're not flying the planes, it's just the Red Arrows, you would assume you're going to see the planes? Yeah. Because, like, no, the, the people are very talented, but they're, they're just some dudes. Like, if, the impressive part is the thing that they can do with the planes. Now here's one for you though, Lucas. Right, in 1991, the producer of the show allowed the artists
1: the option of singing live over a backing track, which must be, must be gutted as an artist, wasn't it? Of like mm-hmm. singing over your own tracks. So I can just sing it. Mining has resulted in a number of notable incidents. For example, <laughs> in 1991, shortly after. The um uh, that rule was put in place, Nirvana refused to mind the pre-recorded backing track of Smells Like Teen Spirit, with Kurt Cobain singing a deliberately low voice and altering the lyrics in the song. And bassist, uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, what, Chris Novoselic, swinging his bass over his head, so he swung his bass around like a jackass and drummer Dave Grohl playing randomly on his kit like a jackass. So you're just like, boop, boo, 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 and it's so funny to watch because Kurt Cobain could not give less of a shit.
0: It's so funny because Kurt Cobain on his guitar is just going like this. Yeah. And just like slightly moving his hands over, like hovering over the guitar. You've got the bassist just swinging the bass around while not touching it. And then Dave Grohl's just like,
2: do, 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 just slamming it like, like a
0: toddler. And just and then the... the moment when you get like Kurt Cobain just halfway through, just sticks the microphone like full in his mouth. And it's just what is going and they just caught away. Like, no, well, it's that
1: thing. Of like, why just let them play the song? It's like, it's like, I get it. If it's like, I don't know, you want to save your voice or something, when you've got like a band like Nirvana in or Jimi Hendrix, it's like part of the appeal of Jimi Hendrix is that if you got him live in the studio, he's gonna like improvise,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's gonna noodle away on my guitar and play something amazing. It's like, why would you want him to play along to a backing track? So, in 1995, the Gallagher Brothers of Oasis switched places while performing role with it. (laughs) (laughs) I presume that's before they just started fist-fighting live on stage. I was going to
0: say, is that the only time they've ever had a sense of humour? God, I love the Gallagher Brothers so
1: much because they just fucking hate each other.
0: I love them because I I hate them so much. They're such horrible people. Nothing
1: gives me more life than how much the, the Gallagher Brothers fucking hate one another. And life, assumedly. Now, I still think that interview with Liam Gallagher telling him I make a cup of tea is fucking top-tier comedy. <laughs> He's so effortlessly funny because he gets so mad about
2: it.
1: <laughs> <sighs> he says that other artists have also switched lyrics or parts of a song or just like not mimed their instruments correctly. In its final mm-hmm. few years, miming had become less and less common, especially for bands, as studio technology became more reliable and artists were given the freedom to choose their own performance style. And according to an executive producer, there was no policy on mining. It was entirely up to the performer whether they wanted to sing live or mime. And it's like it really wasn't, there was it because that like you there's interviews with like bands where they've been talking about this. It's like they wouldn't let us play our song.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we want, if we had the choice, we'd have played our song because keep in mind as well for a lot of these shows, they have a live studio audience in, and that audience yeah. is there like you know. To, I think tickets were free, but there was like just a waiting list, like like half a mile long. You didn't
2: know who. Like you were see.
0: most British television, it's like yeah, you you just sign up for a free ticket, but you are just there, like look at the drawer on the day.
2: Yeah,
1: and just you just turn up. You might see Metallica. You might see I don't know, fucking Cliff Richard of time. Five.
0: Yeah. Just like,
1: you might see five, and-, and then it's just the thing of um, uh, you pay that to go see them, and they just don't sing the song.
0: It just reminded me as well. I was just googling it to make sure I got the uh, the the like you know details right. It also reminds me of it wasn't top of the pops. It was on Italian TV. The yeah. band Muse were told to lip sync as well, yeah, so exactly, they all just changed yeah, their positions. So like all all of them just swapped instruments around and just pretended to know what they were doing. Yeah, and just like yep. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck you. We're just gonna literally not even be in our correct roles. Yeah. It's just one of, those, it's one of
1: those things of like, it must be so good as this band. And I think a story we talked about before was the Super Bowl one year where the Red Hot Chilies were playing. Mm-hmm. And like, people were criticizing the band because they were playing, their instruments weren't plugged in. Yeah. And like, I think it was Flea, like, released this really heartfelt plea, like, look, we wanted to play live. Mm-hmm. We never would not want to play live. There's millions of people watching at home, but we were told, if you make one mistake, we're fucked. Like, you, there, there can't be a mistake. Because if there is and it's like off by a minute, then like then the game goes on late and like millions of dollars worth of advertising gets pushed back as well. We have to have it go on time. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they came in and they played a live version to the empty um, uh, stadium
2: and right. then played
1: along with that recording.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It says like our instruments weren't plugged in, but we were playing the song. It's just you couldn't hear it over the speakers. And yeah. I get in that vein of like when there's millions of dollars on the line, but for something that's so like. I guess it's not loosely produced, but the stakes are so much lower on something like Top of the Pops. Like- I was
0: going to say, yeah, when, when like, as you say, advertising seconds during the Super Bowl are worth like millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Top of the Pops is just a fucking BBC show.
2: <laughs> like- and then we
1: have here, so lost episodes. So uh, due to the then standard uh, practice of wiping videotapes after recordings, which was the standard to like the 80s for the BBC, which is how oh, they wow. lost them all the things um all the early episodes of um, uh, top of the pops which included the only live performance by the beatles um the moon landing footage or oh, like the live moon landing footage and about like 150 episodes of doctor who
0: i know that that might have been the standard at the time but did no one filming the moon landing think maybe just this one time <laughs>
1: apparently they just cause it's one of those things where they just assumed someone else had it no, they just assumed it wasn't their responsibility to save it, so they never did, so they wiped out the original the, tape.
0: It says the people with the only broadcasting channels in all of the UK. Yeah, you think it's called the, the t- time.
1: Yeah, I wrote an article about it for um, today I found out years ago. And it's just like the amount of shit they just deleted it was they never saw any value to reairing it. 'Cause there was they thought, well, we've aired the episode. What are we going to do with it? We're never going to re air it. So it's going to cost us money to stop in a
0: studio. Anyone that ever gives me shit because I don't put my Twitch archives on YouTube for three people to watch. The they deleted the moon landing. Yeah. So of the first five hundred episodes, only about twenty complete recordings remain in BBC archives. That's oh god! Like I get the f- the first and only. From the sounds of it, performance by the beeholes on top of the pops. Yep. Uh, some off-air recordings made by fans at home
1: with a microphone in front of the TV speaker do exist in varying <laughs> degrees of quality. And that's just a thing people used to do. People used to record stuff from the radio. Uh,
0: yeah, but I get, it reminds me of like, you know, when I'm trying to look up clips for like Fact Fiend or Wiki Weekends, and like the only footage you can find is like, well, I I have like a s you know, phone from 2005 that I uploaded this 240p video from four foot away from the TV. It's yeah,
1: like, yeah great, and It's great. all we've got. So, so some segments, which were not retained, do survive in some form, and which have been included in other programs, either by the BBC itself or foreign broadcasters. What was thought to be the only surviving footage of the Beatles on the program um, comes from its reuse in an episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> Additionally, a number of recordings are believed to exist in private collections. The number, though, is unknown. It's one of those things, like Joe, when you hear that of like, oh, someone like recorded it on home on TV,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: they just like they sell it to a private collector, and then that's it. It's done. It's like great. Yeah. For example, um, uh, an 11 second clip of the only, the group's only live appearance on top of the Pops was unearthed. This was recorded by a viewer using an eight millimeter camera to film the live transmission on their television. I'm- it's amazing when just stuff like that comes up, isn't it? Like. We thought this media was lost forever. It's like no, just there was someone at home with a camera <laughs> who just recorded it.
0: But the idea that people like I get that um, storage is expensive, and at the time also took up a lot of space. Oh yeah. But you would think that there were certain things that they would be like, this is probably worth keeping. Like be selective about it. Oh well, yeah, that's, sure, it, it, but not just it, a blanket delete everything. <laughs>
1: And that's the It costs so much money to do, and they saw no value in storing it. And it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a result, history—literal history—that's within living memory. People remember watching this stuff on TV, and they can never see
2: it.
0: Yeah, and I experience it quite a lot with uh, video games. Where it's like, oh, what about like remastering this video game? It's like, oh, until like 1996, we just deleted everything off the PC when the game was done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what do you mean? It's like, oh, we just deleted it and got rid of all the concept art and everything. It's like.
2: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah. You know, well, that's a bit depressing. So let's talk preservation? About, so let's talk about send-ups. Um, so a number of performers have sent up the format in various ways. It was often by performers who dislike the mime format of the show as a protest against this rather than simply refusing to appear. So, for example, when Fairport Convention appeared to promote their 1969 hit, um, Situ Dua Poitier, drummer Dave Mattox wore a T-shirt printed miming. When the Smiths <laughs> appeared on the show to perform their single "The Charming Man," lead singer and huge asshole Morrissey was unhappy about having to lip sync, so held up a bunch of gladioli on the stage instead of a microphone. <laughs> and like, do you know my favorite thing about Morrissey is that like, no, every time he performs live on stage, someone sort of throws a ham sandwich at him because he's he's very vocally vegan, and oh. I don't agree with the idea but, like it's a dick move to do that to a vegan. But when it's Morrissey, I, you know what? I'll accept it because he's such a prick. I was going to say, he's become a He's, become a he's thing such now. an
0: arsehole. Yeah. yeah, he's
1: become a thing now where every time he performs live, <laughs> someone nails him with a fucking ham
2: sandwich.
1: <sighs> <sighs> well, performing their 1982 hit, um, Jackie Wilson said, I'm in heaven when you smile. The band Dexys Midnight Runners was seen performing in front of a projection of uh, the darts player with a similar sounding name, Jockey Wilson, instead of soul singer Jackie Wilson. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Just got a... Frankie Goes to Hollywood Perform one of the many 1984 <laughs> performances of their hit, Two Tries, with bassist Marco O'Toole playing the drums, while the drummer played
2: the bass. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I-, I love shit like that. And it's like, that means that the producers give not enough of a shit to know if people are on the right instrument.
1: Yep. When Oasis mined to whatever, on the, th- on the aforementioned. Um, uh, 1994 episode, one of the cello players from the symphony was replaced by rhythm guitarist Bonehead, who clearly had no <laughs> idea how the instrument should be played. Um, towards the end of the song, he gave up the pretense and started using the bow to conduct. A woman plays his <laughs> rhythm guitar. During Faith No More's performance of From Out of Nowhere in 1990, lead singer Mike Patton dribbles his lips during sections of the song instead of miming along. <laughs> Singer Les Gray of Mud went on stage to perform with a ventriloquist dummy during a performance of Lonely This Christmas and had the dummy lip sync to the voiceover in the middle of the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good, isn't it? EMF appeared on the show. One of the guitarists strummed along while wearing boxing gloves. Excellent. Uh, at the end of the Who's performance of 515, the band proceeded to destroy all of their instruments live on stage, <laughs> despite the fact the backing
0: track was still playing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that I love that. That's so metal. Oh. Like,
0: it, that's the thing. What do you imagine when you, you think about like the terminology rock and roll? It's, oh, like smashing all your instruments at the end of performance. Yeah. And they trusted these kind of people to just go on and quietly mime along. Um, in Blur's performance of Charming Man in 1996, Dave Roundtree decided
1: to play with giant oversized drumsticks, while guitarist <laughs> Graham Coxon played a miniature guitar. In Green Day's first Top of the Pops appearance in 1994, the band played the song Welcome to Paradise. Frontman Billy Joe Armstrong wore an otherwise plain white t-shirt with the phrase Who Am I Fooling Anyway? handwritten on it. He could not be seen playing his guitar throughout the song.
0: I was going to say, like that sounds pretty tame compared to some of the Green Day stories from the 90s. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the performance Maggie May" by Rod Stewart and the Faces featured John Peel mining on the mandolin. Near the end of the song, Rod and the Faces began to kick her out of football live on stage. She <laughs> <laughs> started a fucking kickabout. Uh. The Cure were well known for their abhorrence of miming songs while on the show, and on several occasions made it obvious they were not playing their parts, using stunts such as playing guitar left-handed and miming very
0: badly out of sync. See, because that's the thing, is there's two ways to go about it. There's refusing to perform on the show after you got forced to mime the first time, Mm -hmm. or there's finding new ways to go on the show and up yourself every single time. Yep ambient
1: house group The Orb sat and played chess while an edited version of their 39.57 minute single Blue Room played in the background.
0: 39 minutes? In edited version. No, yeah, but still, like, oh, God, that's a long song. Yeah. Well, sir, one of the things, and I just I just love that, just the amount
1: of artists who got pissed off. And you just think, like I said, just let them play.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've got the, like, you got some of the best talent ever to grace the music industry and Five, performing. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just let them play. Uh,
1: but that's what I love that though, of, like, just... it. I get it when it's like... But when you're inviting, like, bands like The Rolling Stone, The Who, like, the most mm-hmm. enduring image of The Who is them destroying all their instruments on stage. Yeah. And, like, we are got to bring them on and just... I love Rod Stewart though, just fucking kicking a ball about. <laughs> just <laughs> kicking a football apart on stage. It's quite cool, loud. That's how I kick a Yeah. That's the uh, top of the pot. So hopefully everyone enjoyed those stories. And, like, I enjoyed, like, you because I read it a bit and went, oh, this is very dense. So it's a very long show. But I got to that section mm. on Senza and went, this is
2: it. This yeah. is the one.
0: Uh, just. Why would you ever trust musicians? Like, oh. notorious, <laughs> like, you know. For just going off the fucking rails.
1: That's the one that, like, uh, if there's one group of people who are known for having a lot of ego about them, it's
0: musicians.
1: (laughs) They love being told what to do. It's like every story I hear about the Gallaghers is just like, someone like, can you please not, like, be a dick? And then just, like, being screaming, raging assholes. (laughs) That sounds like the Gallaghers to me. They might be the people I've heard the most stories about from all my friends who work in... Like um, restaurants, hotels—every oh, like yeah. single story I've heard about the Gallagher brothers—that they're, they're all pricks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just there's some where it's like, you know, oh, the, these people like have a bit of attitude and they're a bit fun, and then there's the Gallagher brothers, and it's like, <laughs> no, they're just assholes. I still love how they had like a recurring, like, um, uh,
1: like ongoing feud, like Blur or something like that. Like the most oh, like soft yeah. boy like rock band ever because it's, mm-hmm. it's a genre that The Simpsons like named that they just like um, uh, very like sagely refer to as wuss rock. Mm. Do like? Just it's that thing of like it's it's not rock.
2: Yeah, But they've got guitar, totally. like, like
1: wuss rock, like Air Supply, or like th- um, uh, Snow Patrol.
0: I can't remember. I think it was uh, um one of the musicians, like who the one that was also in Gorillaz, um, got interviewed. Like, oh, so how did you come up with like this riff for like I th- maybe it was like song two or something like that, like one mm. of the Blur or Gorilla songs? And it yeah. was like, oh, well, um, if you press this button on my synth, it plays that beat. It's like, oh, okay. And what did you do to it? A song over it. And it's, it's just, I just found a synth and took the default beat off it and went, yeah. yeah. So and sometimes that. that's all you need in music, like it, it is really it. is. But...
1: So I remember, it's um, Song 2, they say. We hate that song, but because Americans are such idiots. It's the song that all you know, that opening riff? Like the dun-dun-dun-dun, like the woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. We like say American sports stadiums love using that, so we get like a check for a million quid a year <laughs> from just stadiums in America playing that opening in 20 seconds.
0: Just screaming woo-hoo.
1: Yeah, and that's the only one of their songs where they go that hard, and they only did it to try and compete with Oasis, because they're like, let's have a look. Yeah, they're all from... Um, uh, where are they from now?
0: The old they're, Manx. Uh,
1: and they're from around Essex,
0: Oh, right, okay. Yeah,
1: and it's, like, um, Oasis are all from Manchester.
0: Yeah, yeah. But they were Just that like, weird little petty squabble.
1: But, but they were always, like, um, accused of, like, trying to be, like, hard. Mm. Of, like, they dressed like mods and rockers, and it's like they all went to fucking prep school and shit. <laughs> but yeah, I hated Britpop so fucking much. Oh, God, so God, It was the worst genre. And I hate how that's, like, one of the most enduring, like, Legacies of like British pop culture is like Brit pop. It's like Oasis and Blur. And it truly Suede. is
0: a bittersweet symphony car. It really
1: is. Oh man, do you know they got no money for that?
0: Uh, is it because they just like stole another song? Then? They
1: stole another song and yeah, never credited. Yeah. So every time I get, they hate when that song gets played because they don't <laughs> get any money, and it's like don't rip off all the old music then.
0: Yeah, don't blade your eyes. Oh
1: yeah, that's um, uh, Top of the Pops. What have you brought for us, Monfrayer? Uh...
0: Well, we are going to, of course, take a quick break. Oh, fuck yeah. But I'm going to t- return with some more Pokemon, Carl. And I'm not going to yeah. let you know which Pokemon just yet, but some more Pokemon. Yes, let's go. And we are back from our break, Carl. Yes. And just before we get into some more Pokemon. Yes. Is there anything that you would like to plug or talk about in our little housekeeping section? I'll just, you know, my socials and my Twitch as usual. Like, if you want to follow mm-hmm. us on those, like, let us
1: know. Like. I'm not sure what's happening with Twitter. Is it dead yet? It's the only social not media yet. I really
0: use, but it's it's almost dead, so yeah. What you what you're talking about? It's not Twitter, Carl.
2: It's X. <laughs> it's just X. Yeah. So that's well, that, the only social I just, media I, I really. I just use. showed a
0: cross button from PlayStation. I know PlayStation fans would be like, that's that's not an X, that's a cross.
2: Mm.
0: It's, it's an X. Yeah, button. I know
1: they get annoyed at that one.
0: But um yeah, I guess the same for me is just like, as usual, just go and check out my Twitch, if anything. I, as you say, Twitter was the one I used the most, but now I've just stopped using socials mainly because yeah. like that's burned down as well. It's, I just really so, um, liked the um,
1: the microblogging format. I always found mm-hmm. it to be a very useful tool for as a writer because one of the first things you learn as a writer is like write a script, write an article, an essay, whatever, and I'll get mm-hmm. rid of twenty percent of it because most there's probably like twenty percent that could be cut out with superfluous. Twitter yeah. was really good at helping you get that of like getting an idea across in two hundred eighty characters. It was really yeah. good at like honing that part of my mind for like writing intros for or titles for
0: factory videos and stuff. Yeah, for sure, and just taught people kind of how to write a bit more succinctly, I guess, and put their yeah. ideas across, or just put it in a like fifty tweet mega thread because people couldn't help themselves. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you can check me out at Legend of Kanto on Twitch. And on Um, your socials, presumably, yes. And just, yeah, whatever other socials are in the description. Um, But the Twitch is, you know, the one I I guess I mainly get the use out of now. Um, And just, yeah, playing Zelda games on Tuesdays, Pokemon games on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, we've been playing through uh, Mass Effect on Mondays. Both of us have been. Yeah, on Mass Effect Monday. I'll be today, yes. Doing some when Mass Effect Mondays anywhere. today, uh from recording, yeah. And um uh, we are approaching the end of Mass Effect one and then have a sub goal to reach whenever. Um there's no time limit on it, but then after we've reached that goal, we will also be playing through Mass Effect 2. Hell yeah. Which is where shit gets real good. It it really is. Like they had a great idea with Mass Effect. And then they just completely nailed the formula with two. Mm-hmm. I do wish more RPG
1: elements were present in it.
0: But, you know, yeah. what, speaking of RPGs, Pokemon. Pokemon. Speaking of RPGs without yes. the RPG element, Carl, today we are talking about Pokemon Stadium.
1: Okay, so is that the one that we played at a mate's house?
0: Yes, well, it I, is, where, where we
1: played the minigames. Like, it's like Clefairy 7
0: Please. (laughs) yes and that is the minigame portion of pokemon stadium but of course the the meat and potatoes of pokemon stadium is actually just being a battling game Mm -hmm. and it basically stripped away all of the running around catching pokemon you know actually having feelings towards any of them or anything Mm -hmm. giving them nicknames took all that away and just went how about we just do the battles? Just the battles, yeah. And in Generation 1, that was quite a bold thing to do because they really hadn't nailed down the battling mechanics of Pokemon very well.
1: They still haven't, because it's still broken <laughs> as fuck. Like, well, that's the, nowadays they purposefully break it. It's like, come on, give Bug Bugtite some love. Why do Bugtite suck so
0: much fucking ass? I mean, they did, until Leech Life got just a four times buff. At least I went from, like, 20 power to 80 power and just started dominating. But I guess that's a good, like, thing to mention before we get into this is it's already begun of Carl and I are going to start getting into, like, some more competitive side of terminology and talk about that. So uh, mm-hmm. we are going to be talking about the game, but we will also probably not be able to help ourselves veer into that side of things, so... Mm-hmm. Just bear with us. There are some things that are probably going to go over your head, but Carl and I need this opportunity to geek out a little bit. Yeah. Because the amount of times we talk about, like, Pokemon on, like, Fact Fiend and we have to, like, really restrain ourselves. I want us to be, on the podcast, like, be a bit more of a loose cannon with it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, before we do that, Pokemon Stadium And here's where the confusion already begins. Japanese title, Pokemon Stadium 2, subtitled as Pocket Monster Stadium 2, is a Nintendo 64 game that allows players to upload and battle their Pokemon from the first-generation Pokemon games, which are red, blue, yellow, and then green in Japan. Mm. Um, It features several battle arenas and introduces Stadium Mode's um, original four cups, the Pika Cup, the Petit Cup, or the Petite Cup, but it's spelt like Petit, Mm -hmm. it's not got any at the end Uh, the Poker Cup and the Prime Cup the latter of two which would return in the sequel and then it's also got the original Gym Leader Castle
1: yeah Um, I remember like uh, just it's on like a digital version of Switch now isn't it but there's no way to transfer Pokemon to it or from it so you have to use like pre-made teams and stuff which
0: is kind of brutal you have to use the rental Pokemon where it's like if you pick the better pokemon with like you know if you pick a charizard instead of a charmander the charizard's got better stats but to balance it out it has an awful move set mm-hmm. and for gen like generally a lot of people tend to pick kind of middle stage pokemon so that instead of like an alakazam people go for like a kadabra with a better move set and the rental pokemon are purposefully like all tried to be balanced out that way it's, it's it a just, neat way of doing it. it yeah, it's, it's it leads to when you don't have the ability to transfer your game. It like becomes its own weird little meta game.
1: Yeah, because like you can just go in there. Okay, I'm just gonna smash it and just use like
0: five fully evolved Pokemon. It's like okay, but they've got shit moves. It's like okay, but all it knows is like Ember. It's like what, what am I gonna do with Ember exactly? If you want Fire Blast, give yourself a Charmander and just hope that it doesn't get immediately wiped out.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an interesting way of balancing it, I suppose. And mm-hmm. Pokemon's been horrendous for balancing stuff, and I think they've given up all pretense of trying in later gens. Um, like, I
0: think the idea of later gens is, oh, well, uh, we'll have one overpowered thing in every new thing you have to buy, so they have to buy the new thing.
1: Yeah, Power Creep.
0: Yeah, and... It it keeps happening where, like, famously right now, people complaining because the only way to get the Pokemon Urshifu, who is one of the most broken Pokemon, is to have bought Sword and Shield and then bought and played through the DLC for Sword and Shield, transfer that into Pokemon Home and transfer that into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And it's like, okay, so you want us to, like, pay? I think it was around, like, I think it's, like, 80 quid or 90 dollars. Mm-hmm um to then essentially buy one pokemon that's currently top 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 tier and it's really hard to work around if you don't have that pokemon
1: yeah because you might be thinking well what makes urshifu so good surely like there's a thousand pokemon surely there's another pokemon that can fill its niche it's like not really no because generally mythical uh, it goes legendary and then there's mythical right which like better than legendary for some reason
0: uh, yeah, because mythicals are ones that you can only get from events, mm-hmm. and I think technically Urshifu is a legendary because you acquire it in the story of the game. They just give you one, yeah. Because they just they just like here's a cubfu, raise it into an Urshifu. Um, whereas a, you know a mythical is something like Mew, where the only way you can get a Mew is oh, by getting truck, it yeah. from a code out of the game or pushing the fucking truck. You push truck. the truck, yeah, yeah, of course. And Which never worked. Anyone you could get it via a glitch, but you couldn't get it under the fucking truck. No, but
1: I did like how pervasive that rumor was. Like everyone mm-hmm. I know played Pokemon as a kid. Like Pokemon. Everyone ones, knew that rumor. Everyone knew that rumor. Yes, but the reason why Urshifu is so much better is because generally, Legendaries and Mythicals have either unique abilities, unique, mm-hmm. uh, very good stat spreads, or. Unique moves that only they have access to. With Urshifu, it has two of those things. It has the ability... Is it like Wicked Strike or something?
0: Um, I'll I'll look up the ability quickly of Urshifu.
1: The name... But what the ability does is is it bypasses Protect, which is a near-universal move almost every Pokémon can learn that, as the name suggests, protects you from all damage. If you use Protect, the opposing Pokémon literally does zero damage. And there's a couple of attacks in the game that can get around it. One of them is Faint, which has a deliberately low base stat power of like 20 so it does like mm-hmm. scratch damage essentially besides that nothing else can hurt a pokemon that's protecting urshifu can hit through protect for full damage just by itself without any sort of um downside that's the thing as well he has no downside to his ability which is normally how they balance stuff mm-hmm. urshifu is just super strong and it has a move that guarantees a critical hit when you land it which two is two cri- critical hits oh yes yeah, it can hit twice or five up to three times no, I think it, I think it's just a double hit, right? Uh, Water Strike hits three times, and Wicked, wicked Blow hits three times. Uh, once. It's the dark version. I think, okay. anyway. But um, a, but and the yeah, critical it's, hit it's, is 1.5 times more damage. That ignores defense boosts. So you yeah. can have a Pokemon that has a plus six in defense and is using Protect, so should be, realistically, impossible to hurt. And Urshifu can just hit it for free every time with no downsides.
0: With boosted damage and yeah, the unseen fist ability that's it. Um, is a signature ability of Urshifu, it's only the only it Pokemon in game that can have it. And using a contact move, Pokemon with unseen fist ignore protection moves in effect for their target. So, yeah, except for Max Guard, which protects from Dynamax moves, which, which doesn't isn't apply important. in this generation.
1: And it's just that thing of like only this Pokemon can do it, and it's so broken, and there is literally no downside to using it. So, you think, like, well okay, it, no, no, there's no there's no reason not to have it on your team.
0: And it's not even that it, like, partially hits through Protect. Full damage. You use the move Protect, which nullifies everything. It is just, I am protected this turn. Urshfu says, no, you're fucking not, and hits you for critical damage.
1: It hits you full damage every turn. So it just basically... And it's the only Pokemon in the entire game that has the ability to do that. Nothing else can do that. Like, the closest you get is a Pokemon with faint, which is never used because it doesn't, like scratch damage essentially
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so
1: that's the I thing about like, and the only way to get that is to pay 80 quid
0: yeah and, and also it's not balanced it, you can suck a punch it which will be a move that hits before their move but, it'll still but hit also you. they're resistant to that move so it doesn't even work and um, uh, yeah there are just there are just things like that in newer games that just every single time like there's a new game out that has to be the one broken Pokemon to encourage you to get the new, the new game or the new DLC. Yeah, and part of the reason I kind of wanted to talk about this is because, you know, it's a very simple idea and it's not an original idea. But considering I had a non-original idea that was easy to come up with in F zero ninety nine. Yeah, I just I'm manifesting this in and hoping that somehow I can, like, manifest this game into the world as well. Okay, so like, go, give me a pitch for a new Pokemon game. Very simple. is just a modern version of Pokemon Stadium where instead of every generation of new games being the new, like, you know, VGC format, like the video game competition format, um, it's just you build for, like, say, the Switch 2, a Pokemon Home-supported... Pokemon Stadium 3, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Where just all Pokemon are supported via Pokemon Home on this one battle game. And all it is there for is a battle game like Pokemon Stadium. And from this point onwards, we use that for the VGC format. So it's just Pokemon
1: Showdown, but official.
0: Yeah, essentially. Um, but they'll never do it because that won't force you to go buy the next new thing. Of course not, now. And that's the the Pokemon treadmill must continue. And it you know, it's the most like highest earning media franchise of all time. Like I get that this is not going to be a thing that exists because they don't make as much money off of it. But Of course not now. Pokemon Stadium, but every single Pokemon is in it. They have like better animations because they can spend a bit more time with just focusing on just the battle mechanics and just the battle animations and stuff like in Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2. And it's something I would love to see happen, but never can almost because mm. of the mindset that the Pokemon company have. And that is one thing to mention. The reason that Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2 were all 1, 2, and 3 because Pokemon Stadium 1 in Japan was actually for... Um, Pokemon Blue and Green and didn't support all Pokemon from Gen 1. Yep. Um, so, Pokemon Stadiums were the first time that you really got to see Pokemon in 3D in video games. And it was a really special thing to see Pokemon in 3D with like fully animated, with announcers that told you what the Pokemon are all called. Oh, yeah. And, they, and I, I love as well, yeah. there's so
1: many like arguments online because. Those games are the closest we've gotten to the official pronunciations for a lot of Pokemon, and people are like, no, mm-hmm. it's wrong. Like yeah. seed is like Seed. It's like no, nope, not doing that one
0: because that was a, a that would have been in the Gen Four version, like the Pokemon Battle Coliseum or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, Pokemon Stadium was just I think a really cool idea for the time. Oh yeah, but. I think the the way to rework it is to make the official Pokemon like VGC game. And then you can update it to include like new movesets and new rule sets and new Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, that just doesn't make people buy a new game.
1: And as well, the people who are like, I need I only have fun if I win would not mm-hmm. play that because they want to have the broken overpowered thing because they want to win. Because I've been playing boulders gate recently i really enjoyed hmm. that game every time i've talked about it someone's like well that's not the efficient way to do it why have you not like respect respect all of your characters to get maximum stats and do that? It's like i don't want to min max the game i want to have fun it's a role-playing game mm-hmm. i want to role play as a character so but why aren't you min maxing? like all uh, because that's not fun
0: and that's the thing is you know if you want to min max it i think the way to still do it the way that Pokemon companies still want you to do it is to train your Pokemon up and have them, you know, there was a lot of people that were um, kind of discussing of like, well, hacked Pokemon should be allowed because all you're doing is giving the numbers that you will eventually give it by training it. I remember
1: that. And it's just one of those things of it's against the spirit of the game. It's like the mm-hmm. same. It's I get it on like purely mechanical justifications. It makes sense. It's, mm-hmm. There's a thing, if you want it to be a competition that's recognized as like you know legitimate, there's a thing called sportsmanship and the spirit yep. of the game. So it's, like, mm-hmm. it's not technically against the rules, but it's against the spirit of the rules. And the spirit of the rules is, is that you train your own Pokemon. It doesn't matter if it's functionally identical to one you could create out of data and just drag and drop into your game system. Mm-hmm. The, it's the idea that you
0: touched it with your, it's your Pokemon. You've molded this Pokemon. And yeah, sure, you've molded it to be the exact same as everybody else's Pokemon that they are also bringing to that tournament. But the idea is that like, you've taken your time out to mold that Pokemon yourself.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, it's, as well, it demonstrates knowledge of the game. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of those things, like, and that should be rewarded in a competition that's and- ultimately a test of skill and uh, knowledge checks.
0: It's one of those. If you could argue, well, it's not knowledge of the game if you just copy and paste in someone else's, you know, moves and stat spread and stuff. And it's no, but that's how you get into it. That's how yeah. you start, and then you learn more. And that's how I started. Is I started out by just copying other people's builds for Pokemon. Not and then as well. I got a grasp over time on doing that, I then started experimenting myself as I knew the mechanics better. And
1: it's one. You could argue, yeah. Uh, You know, it's not really a knowledge thing if you can just copy paste it from online, but you wouldn't understand the reason why you're doing that. You'd know that this is the optimal move to make in this situation, but you would lack the creativity and the knowledge Mm -hmm. necessary to react to something on the fly. Yeah.
0: And that's where the knowledge comes in, yeah. Generally speaking, as well, people who win tournaments are people who look at the meta game and then create, you know, new builds around. Balancing against what everyone else is using,
1: and then there's like meta stuff it's like uh, think yeah. of it like you can be really, really fucking good at kicking the ball in football. you could be the best person taking penalties in the world but unless you understand the basic flow of the game and how to get into that situation you're never going to be able to succeed mm. like, you need a more rounded understanding of the game as a whole,
0: yeah, and um you know, going back to like why that that game could work is similar to. Pokemon Stadium is you could balance out of like look there are Pokemon available to select here in the game you just use whatever you want and give them a move set but they're not going to have the best IVs they're going to have random IVs and it's like okay well or they're gonna you know you're not going to be able to pick the right EV spread and you can use those Pokemon or you can bring in your own Pokemon from Pokemon Home that you have spent the time with yeah and if you're just looking for a fun like dick about and go beat all the gym leaders on like the single player mode. Like yeah, you can just use these rental Pokemon, but yeah. if you want to get serious, then you have to breed your own and make your own.
1: I always thought the way to balance is all just have a t- like just some sort of weighted system. And I know they try to do it a little bit of like you can only have like one legendary at a time or something. Mm. It just never feels right. Cause I think you edited a video a couple of weeks ago for Fact Fiend where you just showed off like yeah, here's a picture of like the top sixteen for like twenty twelve. Pokemon mm-hmm. and literally all sixteen people use the exact same team in the same order.
0: It's like every single time you look at a top eight, every so top eight that means there's eight teams of six Pokemon. Which and generally speaking, you'll normally see about ten, 10 to twelve Pokemon being used out of a, like a theoretical like forty eight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's bad, and I think. Like, what do you think about adding a system like they have in like League of Legends, where it is just bans of like before the match starts, pick three Pokemon you don't want your opponents
0: use? Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's like counter like, picking and stuff. Yeah, yeah,
1: because I love that in like League of, and it's just I love how it is. Just cause I don't play it anymore, but I did it with my ex, and she just mm. told me you always vote to ban the DLC champion to stop the people <laughs> who trying to pay to win, so they of just course. don't get to play with their champion until he gets balanced. Mm. And I'd love to yeah. do that of, like, just second one,
0: Urshifu. Uh, because that's the thing. It's not a new thing to gaming. Plenty of games do it where, oh, yeah, of course, the new DLC item is really overpowered and broken until the next patch. And it's like, oh, well, sorry, we didn't foresee how broken this would be. So you did. You wanted us to buy the new DLC.
1: And a lot of the time, as well, it's not even that like it's broken. It's just an, an unknown factor, and it adds, like, a new element to the game, which... In a game like Pokemon was like, millions of permutations of things that can happen. Like, sh- they mm-hmm. can't anticipate every conceivable way such a feature would be implemented. But, but
0: they can anticipate that Urshifu's broken as fuck. Yeah, when it has, like, an ability nothing else in the game has. And yeah, that's the- completely ridiculous. And also two unique moves that are also ridiculous in combination with that. Yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Like, that, that thing was designed to be overpowered.
1: Yeah, and that's why you would balance it. So you can only have one legendary on your team. So I'll never forget, mm-hmm. was it... What was the generation where they had, like, Mega Evolutions and Primal Evolutions? So you could uh, have, like, Mega Rayquaza, Primal Groundon, Regular Kyogre. And it's like... So yeah. you just got, like, three fucking God Pokemon at once. And that was, like, and you perfectly could have a
0: And you could have a Mega as well. Yeah, and that was just, like, perfectly
1: acceptable to just have on your team.
0: I'm pretty sure, because wasn't it, like... Mega Rayquaza didn't need a Mega Stone to Mega no, Evolve technically. It
1: technically as a Mega, so you could have Mega Rayquaza and Mega Pokemon. Primal Groundon, Kyogre.
0: When Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire came out, you could have a Primal Groudon or it's like, just let
1: people have one. Like make yeah. it like Joey in like RTSs, you don't know, have like one hero unit. Well,
0: that was meant to be the balance of Mega Pokemon, and that's why I really enjoyed Mega Pokemon. To start with is like you get one, you get mm-hmm. one Mega Revolution per battle. But then when they're like, yeah, but Mega Rayquaza doesn't actually count as a Mega Revolution, and then also Primal Pokemon are separate from that, and it's like, stop it.
1: There's, again, that'd be fine if I can have one. If they can just have... Mm-hmm. Or, or, or the way I work it is, if you pick that, you've got like one less pick. It counts as two. You do it weighted. Mm. Of like, legendaries count as
0: two. Yeah. But, um, going back to Pokemon Stadium for a little bit, Carl. Yep. I find it quite quaint, the idea that here they've got the blurb of the box. Okay, what does the blurb say? So I'm I'm curious to know what this says. The ultimate Pokemon battle is about to begin, dot dot dot. At long last, all of your favourite Pokemon are ready to go head to head on the N64. Whether you're battling a friend, a gym leader, or a tournament contestant, you're about to witness some of the most spectacular battle scenes in history. The thing is
1: though, when you watch footage of it, besides like you know the quality of the models,
2: yeah, it it's, it's probably the best the Pokemon right.
1: games looked. Besides like the sprite-based ones. It but looks better than... Like, I know it's a meme to say the 3D games look bad. I think mm-hmm. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet look worse than Pokemon Stadium does in regards to the battle
2: animations.
0: <laughs> so le- at least if the battle you animation, rest up those models, yeah. They'd be fine. Um, Select a team from a huge stable of rental battlers... Or use the included N sixty four transfer pack to upload your own team from Pokemon Red, Blue, or Yellow. The stadium is packed and ready to rock.
1: That's a great feature. I always love that about Pokemon, like transferring between games and see your friend. It's just so frustrating how yeah. difficult it is. Now I guess like Pokemon Home kind of makes it a bit easier.
0: Pokemon Home realistically makes everything super easy. And yeah, it is one of those things of just if if both people have Pokemon Home, everything's super easy um and yeah just the idea though that obviously they brought it as we mentioned to the nintendo switch online service and we have the pokemon stadium games we have game boy player Mm -hmm. like the game the game boy games but we don't have pokemon game boy games on there and then even if they did have pokemon game boy games on there like we don't know for sure that they'd be able to transfer over to Pokemon Stadium. It's
1: so baffling that they won't re-release Pokemon. I, 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 the story I always bring up is where some hacker, who was just like trying to make some money, released a fake thing. It's like, oh, it's Pokemon Red on your phone. You can trade via Bluetooth. Yeah. It cost like £5. Pounds. It got downloaded a million times in two hours, was trending on the internet, got like major column inches in like all those like shit rags mm-hmm. that talk about gaming. Nintendo sent them a cease and desist, and at no point did they think maybe we should do this. <laughs> like, it was literally the single most downloaded thing that day it, it, in an top hour. Top of the,
0: the app store immediately, yeah. Yeah.
1: And they looked and then, at that and went, We should probably like not ever do this.
0: What we should probably do is never release those games digitally ever again. Yeah. And it's baffling.
1: Right? The idea and, just-
0: I know that they were put on like the Nintendo 3DS for a few quid, but other than that they haven't put them on phones which would be just ridiculous what what an easy way to do it <coughs> like, put
1: it on people's phones you can trade via bluetooth done
0: mm-hmm. so much money there to be made and then also at the same time they also don't want to give it to us for free on the NAS- nso service and it's mm. like where do you stand pokemon because you don't you, you seemingly don't want to do any of it you don't want to sell it to us you don't want to give it to us you just want Pokemon to have never existed apparently yeah
1: and no one in the comments can advocate for piracy because this is an argument I have to have so much and it's like we are content creators our Mm. livelihood is literally dependent on people not stealing our shit and copyright Mm -hmm. laws are very vaguely written by design to be interpreted very loosely by copyright holders which protects both giant corporations like the Pokemon company, but also small creators like myself and Lucas. So Mm -hmm. by default, we have to have a pretty hardline stance of do not advocate for fucking piracy, especially Mm -hmm. in areas where we control.
0: And that also doesn't mean now go to the comments and try to convince us otherwise. Which always happens when we mention someone always try to say, well, I get you, but it's like, there's no but. No, our entire livelihood relies on people not, you know, going against copyright and stealing our content.
1: Yeah, and I love every time I mention this, and I just block people outright for doing it. Cause it's like, so I don't get why you're so hard against it. It's like, do you not really? You really don't get why the content creator you're talking to doesn't want you advocating for stealing other people's content.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In like my, my Discord, for example, a place with my name and branding attached. Yeah. does it really not occur to you why i wouldn't want that screenshot to float around mm-hmm. of me saying because i think i had it the other day where some dude really smarmingly is like huh well you're not really stealing it you're just making a copy so i just re i reposted that because he's like a guy who makes youtube videos I went oh shout outs to this guy for just saying it's okay to re-upload his stuff elsewhere because it's not um stealing you i never said it, it was fine so <laughs> oh, so when it affects you it's an issue it's almost like
0: mm-hmm. it's a and again, don't come at us with the oh, But it's fine for big corporations. Fuck off. Like it, if it doesn't stand for them, it doesn't stand for us. Yeah, and that's the thing. And it's
2: uh, I'm not
0: defending these mega corps, but I'm also saying if a precedent is set that it's fine to steal their shit, the precedent is set to steal yeah, our it's
1: shit. A, we, we were, it's one of those things. That the unfortunate reality of the world in which we live means that the laws that protect them also protect us. Mm-hmm. And why would we advocate for? the devaluation of content Yeah, when we rely on people not seeing it as being devalued. It's like The other one I saw is that someone's like, oh, I don't see the big deal. We're just stealing from big corporations. And it's like, well, what about if I just stole your stuff? I see you're a content creator. Well, it'd be a dick move. Because, okay, so what point of success do you get to where it's okay to steal from you then? Or what mm-hmm. like, How much money do you have to make before I can morally justify not compensating you for your work? And that's um, the thing. It's like, like- and I don't want that question to be answered because obviously... Yes. In people's heads, the Proof of Zoom, do have an answer for that. But where are you going to draw that line? And how many people are going to draw that line with me on this side? Mm-hmm. Where now I'm fucked because I'm at the say, yeah, exactly. It needs to be, a, it's nebulously defined by um, uh, by design.
0: It is. So, you know, it, it's, just don't try and have that argument now with us. So just don't.
1: We don't care if you do. Just don't fucking talk to us about it. Like so the comparison yeah. I use, it's like littering. Of like, yeah, ultimately, you can get no one's really going to give you any shit for it, and you can just use the justification of big companies as like it not being a big deal because big companies like make it worse. Mm-hmm. But it's a really weird thing to try and brag to someone about. Of like, yeah, I litter all the time. It's like, why would you say that? Yeah. So I think of it um, like that. Like, would you quote to a person in the street and go,
0: "I love littering"? Speaking of not giving a flying foot car... Oh, yeah. Is it about Clefairy? No, this is not about Clefairy. Clefairy. This is about the the mode that you can unlock called versus Mewtwo mode. Oh, is that where it's just like fight Mewtwo? Do it. And it, it literally... This is how like powerful and broken Mewtwo was in Generation 1. Um, Once the player has completed all the stadium modes and Gym Leader Castle, uh, Mewtwo silhouette will appear in the sky flying over the stadium for selection. This is simply a showdown against Mewtwo itself, as under essentially anything goes rules. Up to six Pokemon of either the player's own or Prime Cup rentals can be brought to the battle and Mewtwo is the only opponent. It has full PP ups applied to all of its moves, so instead of like having 10 on Recover, it would have like 18, mm-hmm. but I think Recover in this game has like 40 or something because they Seven. haven't balanced it right yet. Um... And yeah, it is literally fight Mewtwo. Bring six Pokemon and see if you can beat one Mewtwo.
1: And yeah, do you want to, do you want to explain why Mewtwo is so broken in the first gen?
0: Um, it's it's a lot of things, really. Yeah. Um, first of all, there are two um two types that Mewtwo is weak to. Obviously, you know, Pokemon type effectiveness, like mm-hmm. fire is weak to water, etc. Psychic was weak to Ghost, which had one move that was Lick that yep. did 20 damage. Uh, yeah. And then it was also weak to Bug, which had two moves. That one was Pin Missile. Um, leech. Oh no, maybe three moves. There's like Leech Life, Pin Missile, and Twin Needle. Yep. And they were all, again, like terrible base power moves. And one of them was exclusive to Drill, which has god-awful stats. Yes, and, again, the other two moves were very, very low usage. Like Very few Pokemon were able to use any of these moves. And the, Pokemon the moves were awful. Yeah. And the Pokemon that can learn them are generally bad.
1: So it effectively has no weaknesses to be exploited. It also has some of the highest stats, if not the highest stats, in the entire game.
0: I think it was the highest stats in the entire game. Plus, it had a ridiculously high special stat.
1: And special which... stat
0: did what Lucas in Pokemon now, um, just like attack and defense, we have special attack and special defense. So In Generation 1, it was just a special stat, which means that Pokemon, generally a lot of psychic types, like Mewtwo and Alakazam, had really high special, which meant that they were not only really, really good at attacking with half of the moves in the game... They could wall half of the moves in the game super easily as well. So
1: it was simultaneously the bulkiest, fastest, strongest, and uh, most specially defensive and attacking based Pokemon in the entire game. And it also had access to a move called Barrier, which raised which doubled your special
0: regular defense.
1: It doubled your special stat.
0: No, no, no! It had access to Barrier, which doubled your regular defense. And then it had access to recover, which, as I mentioned, had a load of PP in Gen One. What
1: was one that raised its special? Was it Amnesia?
0: Was the move that doubled its special? special,
1: So it could double its defense, and Amnesia would raise its special attack, which uh, special, which doubled its special attack and defense. At which point, one psychic could one-shot every single Pokemon in the entire game, including another Mewtwo.
0: And I'm just gonna, and then recover as
1: well for any damage that you did do to it.
0: I'm just gonna check the Mewtwo move set. To see what it had, um, yeah. Pokemon Stadium. So yeah, it had... um, Oh wow, okay, yeah. For round one, it had um, Psychic, Blizzard, Thunderbolt, and Rest. And then for round two, it replaced Blizzard with Amnesia, Which which doubled its special attack and defense.
1: The single greatest boosted move in the entire game. Um at which point like you couldn't hurt it with any special move at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it could also just like I said one shot every Pokemon with even something like a basic bitch like confusion. And,
0: um the top strategy for defeating Mewtwo on the it, right? strategy wiki is to pick an electrode that is faster and use Thunder Wave and then pick five other Pokemon. So just have one hit KO moves and have a 30% on. chance of hitting and just hope for the best
2: Yeah,
0: it's the only way and to beat it the, yeah. that's the way to beat it it's just hope
1: for the best it's like I remember like, um, it's like in generation one if you try to play it competitively it's like how do you beat Mewtwo it's like well have you got your Mewtwo no then you lose yeah. It's the only way to beat Mewtwo is with another Mewtwo. Like, it's simultaneously mm. like the fastest, strongest, most powerful Pokemon in the game with the widest move pool. It can do everything. It's unstoppable.
0: Yeah. And um there are a couple of special Pokemon that you can get as well in this game. Um if speaking of Amnesia, if you can um register all 151 Pokemon in the Hall of Fame, you get a Psyduck with the special move Amnesia that it could otherwise not learn. Which was like
1: the best. Which again, version. in
0: Generation One, Amnesia was like the
1: the move, the single best move in the entire game. Every Pokemon that I had it was top tier by virtue of the fact. It doubled your special and uh, your special in terms of defense and attack.
0: Mm-hmm. And every Pokemon um, that I had
1: it was just incredible.
0: And then also, um, if you have a Pikachu of your own from a game pack, then you can beat the round two Prime Cup. And Pikachu will be taught Surf if you clear the Master Mold Division. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Surfing Pikachu comes from, which is and still like,
1: in the game. Yes, uh,
0: there is ways to acquire a Surfing Pikachu nowadays. Yeah, um, and there is technically a way to transfer it. I believe all the way up.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. No, maybe there isn't because you But yeah, there's a stopgap isn't it? you can't transfer Pokemon mm-hmm. anymore. But but then the three DS introduced like the first gen but then you couldn't use pokemon stadium so i can't i can't quite remember but there is a way in modern days to have a surfing pikachu but yeah back in the day it was just well why do you want to surf in pikachu it was a well when you surf as surfing pikachu you ride a surfboard it comes up with a, a like on pokemon yellow it comes up with a little thing where pikachu's riding a surfboard
1: yeah and i just just for shits and gigs i brought up mewtwo's move set in generation one because it can hmm. quite literally do everything in the game so it's like his regular moveset, Psychic, Barrier, Recover, Amnesia, which can basically one-shot everything. But don't forget, mm-hmm. you could also make it, if you really wanted it to, a physical attacker, because it can learn Mega Punch, Mega Kick, Body Slam, Takedown, Double Edge, Bubble Beam, Ice Beam, <laughs> Blizzard, Hyper Beam, which in Generation 1, if Hyper Beam got a kill, um, it did not count. Uh, you didn't get the recovery. So you could just Hyper Beam spam over and over again.
0: Which I found out, in an unlucky turn of events, doesn't work in Pokemon Stadium. They fixed that in Pokemon Stadium and I tried to abuse that tactic and went, oh no.
1: Yeah, it can also uh, submission, counter, rage, solar beam, thunder, teleport, double team if you want to be a dick, reflect, bide, metronome, self-destruct, fire blast, skull bash, rest, thunder wave, psi wave, try attack. Substitute strength flash and then from transverse move Generation can learn Dream Eater, Fire Punch, Flamethrower, Headbutt, Ice Punch, and Thunder Punch. And as a reminder, in the first couple gens, Thunder Punch, Fire Punch, and Ice Punch all counted as special moves, which is mm. why when they were used by Hitmonchan, they didn't work. Because Hitmonchan and why
0: used shit. by Alakazam, they were fucking great. Because it went off its special stat, even though they were
1: technically physical moves. So as a result, Mewtwo can literally use every single move that it has access to. He's usable. He does not have a single yeah. move that's wasted by virtue of its stats and typing. You can put any yeah. four moves from that I just mentioned that entire list on it, and it will most likely be able to beat anything in the game, save for another Mewtwo <laughs> and maybe Snorlax.
0: Potentially, yeah. Because but...
1: Snorlax was like the war, wasn't it?
0: But more than likely, it could easily take out Snorlax. If you really wanted to, yeah. Yeah. And that's why... Uh... I think Mewtwo was almost immediately banned because it was just... It's too good. What are you going to do? We'll just round out with a couple of pieces of trivia from Pokemon Stadium. Tell me. Um, Pokemon Cries have a much more realistic sound in this game. However, the starter Pikachu from Pokemon Yellow says its name like it does in the anime. See, I
1: I really don't like that. Because... If you're gonna do it for one Pokemon, do it for them all. If that was 900 Pokemon, then don't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Like keep them as the shitty like MIDI files from Pokemon One. I don't think
0: make- it was Pokemon X and Y that did the same thing of like Pikachu and Eevee both said their names and no other Pokemon did.
1: And that's it. But it makes it seem worse. It's like what? don't half ass it, whole
0: ass it, or don't ass it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then nicknamed Pokemon. Have altered coloration sometimes when used in battle. Ooh, shiny! Bit. As a result, most NPC trainers use nicknamed Pokémon to emphasize the effect. This marks one of the few situations where NPCs have nicknamed Pokémon. The color alteration also depends on the original trainer's trainer ID number and name. Mm-hmm. So even if two trainers have the same Pokémon with the same nickname, the Pokémon will not likely have the same coloration.
1: I like that as well. It just made all the Pokémon feel more unique.
0: And it was just different shades of the same color. Normally, it wasn't too drastic for the most part, but it
2: just, yeah, made it just feel, changed
0: yeah. it up a little bit. It's like not every single pet you own, even if you have the same like breed of pet and you know color of of pet as you know a friend might, they're still going to look a little bit different. They're still going to have like some colorations in their fur that's a bit different and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense.
2: Um, I love that. Yeah, it's just,
1: Why is that detail not present in later games? It's just like slight changes in coloration and stuff that make your Pokemon feel unique.
0: And I like this because this was the first Pokemon game that allowed more than two players to battle at one time. This feature would not be implemented into the handheld games until Generation 3. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't double battles. It was single battles, but each of you would say have 3 each so if you were four po- players mm-hmm. it would be two teams of six but each player had control of only three pokemon if i remember correctly yeah um so yeah it's an interesting way to do it of like okay yeah you you're all technically playing but two of you are sitting out on the sidelines at any one point um This is the only game where Lance doesn't use a Dragonite at any point in the game. Do you just give up on being the
1: Dragon Trainer at that uh, point?
0: Lance, the Dragon Trainer, does not use any Dragon Pokemon. Or might use like a Drashini or Dragonair. But no Dragonite. No fully evolved Dragon from the the Dragon Trainer.
1: That's the thing that people point out as well. The balance of Pokemon in the first game was so bad that the Ghost-type trainer didn't use Ghost-type. Only had half a team of Ghost-types because there weren't enough in the game. There was one Mm. Ghost-type line. I think it's like, well, there's an entire side quest about ghost Pokemon, and there's one ghost Pokemon. Same thing like (laughs) (laughs) an entire town dedicated to dragons, and the Dragon-type trainer doesn't use... He's got four non-dragons on his team.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, there just wasn't enough variation in the Pokemon back then to have a a ghost trainer or a dragon trainer. Do, Do you want two water psychic types and then a third... That should have been a Water Psychic type. That we didn't make a Water Psychic type because there were already too many. Yep. The fact that Psyduck never got um, Water Psychic type. Psyduck, Psychic Duck isn't a Psychic type and doesn't evolve into a Psychic type.
1: I also like fully on board with that theory that Psyduck and Golduck have got the names the wrong way around. Yeah. Because Golduck isn't gold, and Psyduck isn't Psychic. You know, what it is, but it's like <laughs> it makes way more sense.
0: Yeah, and then um it like because, you know, in the anime Psyduck is not portrayed as having like full capable use of its psychic powers yet. But it is golden. Where whereas Golduck is. And then, you know, also I, I definitely also go along with the uh the Venonat theory of like that it was, to was meant yeah. to go into Butterfree and um metapod into Venomoth. If you just look at the two it just makes too much sense. Yeah. And um, yeah it just there's a, a, a few more here but uh, I guess one cool one uh, is that the portraits for the gym leaders all resemble actual headshots drawn by Ken Sugimori but the exception is Blaine who instead used his Pokemon headshot from Pokemon Red and Green rather than any other promotional material so it's like for some reason they just looked at Ken Sugimori's, um Blaine and just went no this doesn't look good enough <laughs> I will never understand
1: how the fuck are they not just made a game that's in his art style?
0: The Ken Sugimori game needs to It's that. So
1: iconic. Like, do you like Okami? Like mm-hmm. the watercolour style. Make that. But Pokemon. Yeah. It'd be so fucking good. And do you like the Swish effects on it and stuff?
0: Instead, would you like PS2 trees to pop in three foot away from you, Carl? Do you know people
1: send like death threats to people for that, for making fun of yeah. like how bad that looks? Yeah. But, like I, this, this, I this just... tree looks kind of shit. Maybe you shouldn't pay sixty dollars for a tree that was kind of wank. Like you make a billion dollars a year. What the fuck are you doing? It's like it's death threats. Death threats to that man.
0: Yeah, not to the Pokemon company for selling us a game that isn't finished and doesn't run properly. And still, to this day, doesn't work online almost half of the time. Like, no, no, no. Fuck the person that wants to point that out. Because I've attached my personality to Pokemon. And just, yeah. As I say, just ignore, like, the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet disaster train. Give me just the Pokemon VGC video game, like.
1: All the Sugimori one.
0: Or the Sugimori
1: one. Just, I want the Sugamori one. I like, think like, every now and again someone makes like a, a proof of concept of it, of like, look how good it'd look. And it's like, make this fucking video game. It's mm-hmm. like, he's still alive. He's still doing it.
0: Yeah. Like, fucking do it. It'd be so good. But that would be effort, Carl. Pokemon Company doesn't like making effort. It's true. They do Not like with making, the video games anyway. They do like making super fucking powerful Pokemon now. Super OP Pokemon and lots and lots of money. That's what they like making. But yeah, uh, as much as, you know, we ran and rave about Pokemon. We both love Pokemon, and that's why we ran and rave about it, because we want it to be better. Well, it's the thing, yeah. It's like no one complains about something
1: they don't like. And when people say, mm-hmm. like, it's like the
0: people who bitch about, like, Star Wars being ruined because,
1: like, women and black people are in it. It's like, it's, like, oh, it's like, no, you actually secretly love it. Like, you'd never stop watching it. Because if mm. you actually did give that much of a shit about this, you'd stop complaining and go just do anything else with your time.
0: It's like the last thing that you want from um, fans is just apathy because the moment that everyone just doesn't care, it's like, well, yeah, exactly. No one cares. Exactly, yeah. Rather than, like, we clearly do care and we want things to be better. But, yeah, I just don't. I don't particularly like supporting um, all of the the bad practices that they do, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, inevitably I always crumble and I... Will call myself a hypocrite actively. It's, it's that
1: amazing one, isn't it? Of like, um, we're going to boycott Call of Duty every year. <laughs> like, Dr. Disrespect being like, I'm not, I want to boycott Call of Duty because they took my skin out of the game. It's like, you're still going to fucking play it. And
0: that's got- the thing, I never even pretend that I'm going to boycott these things because I'm always just like, I can't. I know that I'm going to do it. I know that I'm going to buy these so things. You just become and that- I'm disappointed in myself.
1: You just become that Balls comic, don't you, the guy being like, hmm. Yet you yet you participate in society.
2: Curious. <laughs> it's like, that's
1: all it is, isn't it? It's like you can criticise things that you like. If anything, you should do that because you should always be wary and engage critically with the media you consume. You shouldn't consume the media um, uh, that you enjoy uncritically because that way you're not really engaging with it, are you?
0: Speaking of engaging with things, let us know which wiki won. you thought won this week God in damn the comments yes. below. And thank you all for listening to us just go on some wild tangents.
1: Hell goddamn yes.